0: Hi, it's Chris Perryman, and welcome to the Where's It To podcast, sponsored by Zump. We're bringing you the lowdown on anything Bristol, whether it's from CEOs to Wurzel shows or Culprit Heath to brushing your teeth, you'll be really sure to enjoy a listen. So without further ado, here we go. We hope you enjoy the ride hi guys it's chris here on the where is it to podcast and i have with me simi pam of bristol bears women's um hi simi how are you doing yeah i'm
1: good thank you not
0: me not at all not at all thank you very much for coming in it's um for those that obviously can't see us because this isn't filmed it is very very warm on par with our uh, ollie cone podcast um and uh, unfortunately, there's no fans or air cons. So um, if we melt halfway through the podcast, then, um, then please do subscribe and watch us, uh, watch us melt into an abyss. So um, thanks very much for coming in, um, Simi. It's, uh, it's, it's a great pleasure. Um, so for obviously the listeners, I mean, sort of your Bristol Bears women's, um, I think I've been doing a bit of research and sort of looking into your past and history and things like that. I'm really, really amazed that you've only been playing rugby five years.
1: Yeah,
0: it's not even, it'll be five in
1: December. Oh, wow. Yeah, so just
0: over the four and a half,
1: half year mark, actually, so yeah. Amazing.
0: It's been a bit of a whirlwind. Yeah, and um, I mean, obviously I don't like asking women this, um, but I'm imagining a quick Wikipedia search would, would sort of let us know your age. How old are you, you now? I'm 27. 27, so 22 years old, sort yeah. of. 22, 23 started, uh, started rugby. Wow. Yeah. How, how did that sort of come about?
1: So my background in sports, I've always been sporty. Um, sports always been something that I've loved, um, but the sport I've done over time has just changed. Um, and so my predominant sport before rugby was uh, track and field. Oh so right. I used to be a shot putter, and so that's sort of my background and sort of where I was coming into rugby from. Um, but I just I just kind of fell out of love with athletics. I got a bit bored of being by myself. Um, I had to move quite like. I, my hometown is Peterborough so I had to move from Peterborough to Bristol for uni and had to change coaches, change training groups and it just never really was as enjoyable as it was when I was um, at home and yeah I just kind of got a bit sick of it took a year out of athletics thinking like oh, I'll miss it and then I'll want to come back and I'll look forward to being back as a thrower had my year out and then was like I still don't miss this I've had a great time without throwing and that was kind of like my life like my penny drop moment where I was like, oh, well, I don't think I like being a thrower anymore. Um, But then that made me really sad because I love sport. Um, So I was like, right, I've got to try and find a sport that is a bit more social, a bit more team based. Um, But I like being good at sport. I like feeling like I can train and accomplish things in sport. So I was like, I I want to pick a sport that I might be able to be good at, um, but that's more social than how I was feeling with athletics and so yeah loads of people had sort of said to me oh you should try rugby, rugby would be great um, I went to University of Bristol and they had a really strong rugby team mm. I think they had three women's teams at the time that I joined um, and I so I had never played rugby, never watched it didn't know that women could play rugby didn't know it was a thing until literally people were suggesting it to me um, Brilliant. yeah so it was never something that I was even introduced to at school or sort of Pre university, so one day I was just like, Do you know what? Enough people have said it to me. I'm just gonna rock up. So sort of middle of November, end of November in 2017, I just arrived in some trainers. Like literally, was just like, hi. Never played before. Don't really understand what's going on. I've just sort of come here like very like just out of pocket. Just thinking like this might be a bit of fun. Um, can someone teach me how to play? and They're like, yeah, sure, of course, can. Um, and that was it, really. I just rocked up one day, took a bit of a leap of faith, and yeah, here I am, four and oh, a half years later. Wow! And then <laughs> not not even a decade, half a decade yes. later,
0: playing for for Bristol, Bristol yeah, Bears. Crazy. Um, Jesus, yeah, awesome. I mean, because I suppose going from track and field, like you said, it's just you. You know, you you can get inside your own head. You've got coaches, obviously. What difference do you feel? as an advantage you've had now that's gone into a team sport, you know, where I suppose sometimes if it's your error, your performance as part of that team, you obviously have the self analysis and, and things like that. You've obviously got a team where say for instance, someone else might not pull their weight and, um, you know, there's, you're, you're now in this platform where you, your reliance as a team is much, I suppose, Different to, 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 to just yourself on track and field. How how do you feel you've transitioned into that? Because you've got well, yeah. obviously you've had a lot of self uh, self discipline. Yeah. Uh, before has that been an issue? Is sort or of a big learning curve or?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting because outside of sport, I'm a very personable person. Mm. So when I reflect back on how long I was in an individual sport for, it actually surprises me because I'm not someone that's built for just. I, I, yeah, I like to be with people, like I, I'm happy by myself, I can do things alone, I'm not relying on people, but I really enjoy like that aspect and that's like, what I enjoy most about life, like being social, having people around you, going through journeys with people, so yeah, I think rugby is, or like, team sport is probably where I'm best suited, but it just took me a while to figure that out and to sort of find the right sport for me, um, but yeah, it is tricky, like, obviously like my performance could be absolutely stellar but we could still lose and that sometimes is hard to take Mm. but then again on the flip side i've had some absolute (laughs) howlers and people have like picked up my slack so it's those kind of ebbs and flows and it does kind of take the pressure off of things because you realize that you're one component of a of a cog of like 15 uh, different yeah, yeah exactly like so it's not all on your shoulders Whereas when it's individual sport, yes, if you do well, it's you, you can thank and you're you know pleased with yourself and your performance, you know, but there's so much joy in doing well as a team and having teams celebrate. Then on the flip side, like when things don't go well, you know, you don't feel like, woe is Isolated me, God, alone. no one knows how I'm feeling because there's, you know, a whole squad of girls around you yeah. who feel exactly how you feel. Like prime example was after we lost. Um, the semi final um last season to Exeter after like so we were losing, managed to claw our way back, got ourselves in front and had to see out the game for another like five odd minutes and we'd been in the final. Exeter ended up scoring, they won and it was like soul destroying. Like I can't I can't express like, how crushed I was. It was just gutting. But the joy of team sport was that there were others around you to, yeah. to help pick you up and help sort of empathise because they knew exactly like how I was feeling because they were feeling it too
0: Absolutely I think there's a lot to be said for team sports as a you know say for instance Andy Murray for example in tennis it's just him he's got his coaches he's got his team around him and his mum in, in, in the crowd um, but you've obviously got that unit you know the team unit you've got a team unit and your coaches and your physios and, and things like that around I think there's quite a lot, I suppose it's kind of overlooked because, you know, a lot of people see sports personalities, celebrities and things like that from a mental health perspective, and they go, you know, that's all right. You know, you're on whatever you're on or, you know, whatever. But actually, from a mental health perspective, even as a team sport, you know, you've got to think, because one of the, I think I listened into one of your podcasts uh, previously, and you said that rugby was your release from, um, your your job your full time job which um, we'll go on to in a bit but where's your release from rugby I suppose because obviously how would you then go right oh do you know what shit we've just lost to Exeter in the semi final you know because sports people go from sort of super highs and then you can kind of hit super what, yeah. where where's your release from rugby what, what what do you do yeah
1: it's probably my family to be fair um, yeah that, that Exeter last really did hit me quite hard I, I didn't think it was going to affect me because like we've, we've lost matches before we've lost like mm-hmm. we had a cup semi so we lost to Exeter in the premiership semi-final we lost to them in the cup semi-final which was gutting but like I'm just you just sort of expect to bounce back but I think because that loss then was like the end of our season like that was it it didn't feel like it just sort of sat with me for, for a little while yeah. like I, you really want to play another game to like try and like at yeah. the things or like at least feel like you're sort of Getting things that you got wrong right. Yeah. Because that was like, oh, we've lost last season, done now, girls. It
0: was just like. I know, it's. I mean, <laughs> obviously, as a finely tuned athlete myself, you know, if I'm, if I'm playing FIFA, for example, at home with my son, and ironically the seven year old still manages to beat me, um, you can just press restart, go yeah. and play another game. Whereas I suppose it, it is elongated in as much, even especially as cup finals generally tend to come towards the end of the season. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's got to be a struggle. Got to be. So, you kind of briefly touched on, um, or I briefly touched on sort of, you know, as part of the, the Bristol Bears squad, you are also full-time uh, doctor um, in, in the NHS. So, massive well done. And um, I'm sure everyone would um, would really, um, yeah, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, it is, you know, look up to that because you see sort of the 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 sort of the Bristol Bears squad uh, you know the men's Bristol Bears is women's sport obviously is now being put up to a you know much better platform so if you, if you take say for instance you know when i first got into sport when i was sprightly sort of 11 blah, blah blah i mean there was no women's football there was you know and i think but it just didn't have the the platform i suppose yeah. it does today which in my opinion still probably isn't where it needs to be because in my opinion, it should be a case of if you're going to watching Man United or Bath rugby, and you've got the women's and the men's or Bristol rugby, whatever. the two should be hand in hand. Yeah. You, know, you both go onto a pitch, you both go and get beaten the shit out of for 80 minutes, get off, and the results are the same. And, and, and I suppose, yeah, I mean, I've kind of digressed somewhat from, from the fact that actually you are also a full time doctor in, in the NHS. So what? what sort of so? What I'm I'm kind of getting a bit of a tongue twister here. Um, So we'll edit this one out, guys. Um, Where? How how does that work? How does it work between the two sort of employments? I suppose because you know, obviously, you are a full time rugby player and a full time doctor. How do you fit it all in? It's really difficult. Yeah,
1: it's really difficult just because in an ideal world. I don't have to do medicine, I don't have to be a doctor right now, mm-hmm. um, and I would focus all of my energy on trying to make the most of my rugby career, because you know, the next 10, maybe 15 years if I'm lucky are my athlete years, and then once they're gone, that's that. So in an ideal world, I'd be a full-time professional rugby player, train all day, rest at night, and just do that as yeah. a cycle. Unfortunately, right now, that's not my reality, and it's not the reality for the vast majority of non-international Women's rugby players, um, you know the England women who are international are just full-time central contracts. The Welsh girls do. They've recently announced the Scottish girls and the Irish girls are going to as well. So things are moving in the right direction at an international level, but at a club-based level, it's it's not quite there yet. Which means that, you know, I'm not unique in my situation. Everyone's got other jobs outside of rugby or in full-time education um, because out of necessity, basically. So. Mm. Yeah, although like, it's, it's really admirable you know, that we can do this and that we, we juggle these two aspects of our lives, It is it does make things really difficult when you do want to try and progress your athletic career. Um, and it's not an ideal situation, but we make the most out of it. Um, it's actually easier now for me to juggle the two because of the, of the level I've got to as a doctor allows me to, to in essence, be a locum doctor. So I pick up shifts um, to cover last minute gaps, or rotor gaps or illnesses or whatever, or if you know they're hiring extra doctors to cover, you know, elevated numbers of patients. So particularly in winter, Mm -hmm. when you know winter pressures start to hit, they're gonna look to employ more doctors just to to deal with the workforce. And so that's the time where I can sort of work more and build up a pot of money basically. Mm. And then I'll live off of that. Um, and then kind of, you know, when that starts to dry out, then I'll go back to work. And I found that that's a bit easier for me, um, rather than trying to work a few shifts every week. So if we have weeks off of training, mm. like I'll try and make like a week of no shifts. Um, because as a local doctor, you get paid more per hour than if yeah. you are like a, 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 contracted trainee as like an incentive for people to pick up those shifts. Yeah. Um, so I can earn a good amount, like in a relatively short space of time. But obviously, like the best sort of shifts for me to pick up are like the night shifts, which are 13 hours at a time. So like a week of that, you know, four shifts, 13 hours. You know, that's like the best, the most bang for your buck kind of thing. Yeah. Um. But then that would massively impact training. So it's just trying to be a bit clever about when I choose to work. Um, We've recently just come off of off season, and so. We had about you know six seven weeks away from the club and away from training as a squad. So I was basically working full time for these last six weeks odd yeah. to basically give myself that buffer. So I know that I've got enough for rent, enough for you know bills and other expenses for at least a few months while I'm trying to figure out how you know this season's going to work for me. I'm trying to basically train full time at Bears. So I've been invited to do the daytime program like the internationals do, Mm. which is a massive opportunity and something I think is gonna take my rugby playing career to the next level. But obviously that then reduces the potential hours that I can work, Um, and also because I'm training more, I need more time to recover. So the days that I do have off, if I can avoid (laughs) going in and doing a hobbling, Hobbling hobbling around the walls. Exactly, so (laughs) it's just, you know, I, I was very sort of, deliberate in working for a lot of my off season because I knew that would at least give me a buffer to try and find a routine and figure out what's going to work best for me seek out opportunity other opportunities potentially as well yeah just basically trying to make enough to just enable rugby to sort of be the priority in my life for a little bit and see where that takes me
0: that's i mean it's commendable i think you know it's you've just said about off season um you know six to seven weeks off season going and working as much as you can yet the men's sport then end up you know that you see them all on Instagram in in you know o Beach Obeith swallowing it up with Mr Wayne Lineker mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's there's such I mean even still now you know there, there is such such a divide and obviously with you know the England women's team winning Euros um, I think hopefully there'll be a legacy from that um from that win and, and and it will then make the powers that be kind of think you know jesus we need to to put some money in you know all invest best or whatever um i think again from an outside looking into you might give me a different perspective on it i think personally steve landers and you know bristol sport and bristol bears bristol city i think they've done a good cracking job with from what you see from the outside perspective you know whether it's working in the community with with kids and things like that there's not many other clubs that have done probably as much as that what, what what do you think needs to change in women's sport to kind of accelerate it to the level of the, the sort of men's sport is unfairly yeah i think i think the appetite for women's sport is definitely there it's,
1: it's almost undeniable at this point having seen what the lionesses have done seeing how dominant the England women's rugby team have been, seeing how good a lot of the female athletes have just done in the Commonwealth. Like, people have an appetite for women's sport and it's just, okay, how can we capitalise on this in a sustainable way? And that's what I think Bristol, Bristol Sport, Bristol Bears do really well in that, you know, a short-term fix is say, we love women's sport, let's throw a load of money at it, the money dries out and then we're probably in a worse off position than we were two, three, four years ago. Um, so even though you know for myself right now I make a little bit of money from playing rugby, but it's not you know it's not my income source. Yeah. But I think what Bristol Bears do so well is that you can see there's a long term plan in place, and it's Absolutely. how can we make how can we build a legacy like you mentioned for women's sport and women who want to play rugby in this city. You know, moving us into the performance centre, putting down the infrastructure, making sure you know our medical team are there in the day and giving them sort of part-time and full-time mm. contracts. Building the infrastructure so that, you know, whether you're the Abbey Wards, the Amber Reeds, who are the multi capped England internationals, mm. or whether you're a 17-year-old girl who's just come out of the academy, you walk into the training facilities and everyone's got access to the exact same standard yeah. of facility, of coaching. And it just is an environment that's going to breed success no matter who you are. And then once that's up and running and that's sustainable, and that's generating its own income, and we're getting, you know, more money in from, you know, season tickets and spectators coming in to watch, mm. and you know, playing at Ashton Gate and all of the things that that generates and kit sales and things like that. When there's more money, then I think that's when it's going to filter down to us as athletes, and hopefully, then mean that we can be in a situation where actually I can afford to work part time, or you know, maybe not even have to work mm. at all. But I think it would be, although it's frustrating now, like as someone who would love to, you know, just be a paid rugby player and and not have to worry about anything else, I would much rather know that where I am is someone that's going to be there in three seasons time, five seasons time. And actually we're building something that's going to last way longer than my career. And it's gonna be something we can look back on, you know, we can look back on these years in a couple of decades time and say, yeah, these are really formative years, for, you know, Bristol rugby, but women's rugby across, you know, the country and the world. Or, yeah, yeah. So hopefully that's what teams are inspired to do. And actually, let's not do that sort of knee jerk reaction of, okay, let's just throw money aimlessly. Like, let's actually be smart about what we do. <laughs> and even if it does take a bit longer to do, let's set something up. that's
0: but, going to last the test of time. I think you're actually right. I think uh, that's with my stance. I think professional sport, and this is a big statement. I think professional sport is broken, <laughs> and what I mean by that is, say, take the Lionesses' successes in the summer and and whatnot. You, you, football, rugby, sport as a general, has now become the facade of celebrity. In my opinion, you know, I think everyone wants to be that three hundred grand a week footballer or this or that, and so you've kind of had this like axis of where people. Get into football, into rugby, into athletics, or whatever, because they enjoy sport. But then, once you then become good at it, I suppose, you know, <sighs> my seven year old lad, you know, wants to become a professional footballer. He enjoys football, but I suppose he sees that he wants to be this celebrity, Ronaldo, Messi, you know, whether it's um, Johnny Wilkinson in, in the rugby fame or, or whatever. And then, say, for instance, taking women's sport, men's sport, you know, as, as different sides you know, things like the Euros, I was like, look, I want to watch these games because it's England, it's, you know, whether it's women's sport, men's sport, whatever, I enjoy sport, I enjoy watching people too, you know, whether it's boxing, female, you know, uh, Katie Taylor in the boxing. And I don't care the gender of the sports person. And for me, it was watching the theatrics of the game. Yeah. And my other half, it was like, well, not really. And, you know, as a female, she, she said, I'm not really bothered in that. I'm like, eh? you know you've got to be an advocate of the sport even as a female because and, and actually once we then I sat down and we watched the, the Norway match where they absolutely you know yeah. drugged them and she was like this is amazing this I mean the, the play was better than the men's in my opinion yeah. um, and I suppose that where I say sort of you know sport's broken is. <clears throat> is getting people to kind of remove the cel- you know the air of celebrity about sport and thing and just enjoy the sport itself. Yeah. Um to be able to then go, you know, it doesn't matter whether I'm watching women's cricket, men's cricket, or mixed or, you know, whatever. Yeah. You're enjoying the game. Yeah. And I think I don't know how we solve that or because I suppose it's there's you know, when you see the, the men's Premier League in football or rugby, I mean and again, that's a different conversation for a different day you've got, say, you know, a loose head proper Bath Rugby men's, and you've yeah. got a striker at Man United men's football. Yes. There's, I mean, what that person earns in rugby, probably the footballer earns in a week. Yeah. But it's all commercial, you yeah. know, it's all endorsements, it's all what's going to earn that club. And I think one of the things I see that Bristol Sport do well is that they're not just in it for the money. You know, obviously the owner owns an investment fund. Yeah. Owns this, but he's prepared to put the money back into the club, into the grassroots. I think if we could then replicate that across all sports across the country, yeah. you know, you take say for instance Mike Ashley at Newcastle. Yeah. It's all about lining his own pocket, and I yeah. think that yeah, something's definitely got to change because there's all you know it's awesome, and I don't think there should be a difference between the two sports, in my opinion. Yeah. You know it, it, it in the gender, sorry, rather than the sports, because yeah, it, you've, you've only got to look at you guys on a, on a weekend and think bloody hell Jesus <laughs> that's the thing like, good. a lot
1: of the people who sort of discredit women in sport um, and women's rugby obviously is, is my experience to it have never really given it a chance mm. and it's like whatever your stereotypes and perceptions are come to a match come and watch it live yeah. and come and say to us we're not working as hard the collisions aren't as big you know, it's not as, as enjoyable as a spectacle like I think it's just getting people over whatever their initial fears or whatever it is that's stopping them from actually giving it a chance, like we saw it with the Euros, Mm. we saw the massive turnout, like are you going to tell me that all those people didn't enjoy that as an occasion, because football is entertainment, sport is entertainment, you know, so are you going to go and tell me that those people didn't enjoy that as a spectacle? because it was women playing. Like, that's ludicrous. It doesn't make sense. Like, the the numbers don't lie. They broke records, you know, for filling the stadiums out of men or women. But, I mean, yeah, yeah, there was more people at Wembley than there was for the England men's final. Exactly. So, you know, you can't sort of discredit those kind of things. But, yeah, like, we work just as hard, you know, arguably harder because of having to balance what we do. Absolutely. (laughs) cram. Obviously, not the the same amount as what the men do because they have more time. But we still have to do you know our unit sessions, our tackle tech, our defence, our yeah. contact sessions, our analysis, our nutrition, like all of that, all of yeah. the same principles of men to sport. But we have less time In a short together, piece of time. and we have to juggle you know other things with it. Like I remember when I was having to commute to Bristol my first year working as a doctor, nutrition was a big a big struggle for me. Because I, would, for me to be able to get to training on time, I'd have to start work. i often work through lunch to try and get through all yeah. my jobs so that I could leave on time. i finish work, head straight to the car, drive straight to Bristol, take an hour and a half, get out, be already late, have to you know run to get changed, get to training, try and train, and then leave again, ready for work the next day. Like, yeah. so where where am I eating a meal there? <laughs> Like, it, that was a real big struggle for me. I was literally living off of like, energy gels and Red Bulls because I was just so... Which has a knock-on effect later yeah. down the line because you're depleted, you exactly. know? Exactly. Like, And so, you know, that's a pretty extreme example. But, you know, trying to make sure that you're ready for your session. You know, you've got a big contact session in the evening. But, you know, you work a, a pretty, like, manual job. Yeah. Some girls do, like, they work in Lidl, stacking shelves. They work earlier shifts to try and free them up in the day. Like, it's just lots of different things that... I think a lot of male athletes probably don't appreciate, not in the sense of, you know, they're not sympathetic to what we do, but just like, we have to think of a lot of things and have a lot of planning and and I guess, all sort of flexibility and, and adjust in ways that they probably don't have to, you know? Mm. They wake up, they go to training, you know, their food's there and they just sort of do what's told and they're done and then their time's their own time. Yeah. But for us, you know our time is okay now I've got to work or you know and it's just the level of sort of adaptation
0: I guess that we have to we're just placement yeah. constantly and I think I think one of the things I've learned over probably the last 10-15 years is about looking it in from the other person's perspective you know I, I say it as a, a as a bloke and you know I like, go oh, yeah and I try to empathise but actually you know we're we've got that element of sort of privilege where actually we don't have a bloody clue about you know it's. it's I mean of course I don't have a clue about any professional sport because I think the most professional I've got is uh, playing five a side at the Emirates Stadium mm-hmm. once for a, a, ch- a charity match but, um, pretty, good going. but, but <laughs> pretty good going oh it's bloody good i <laughs> missed an absolute howler um, story in my life um, but obviously you know in the professional world as, as guys they don't have a clue about you know Christ you can only imagine talking to some prima donna premier rugby player or football player going look actually what you're gonna to have to do is you're gonna have to get in the car and drive yourself an hour and a half to training like oh my god they'd have a they'd have a field day wouldn't they have and to a field be fair,
1: like, so, obviously now um we're all on the same roof we're all training same facilities we see a lot more of the, of the men's team mm. than probably previously and a lot of them are intrigued by just us and our existence and sort of how we manage to do things and you know, they're really interested in us giving them sort of insight into their lives and into mm-hmm. our lives, sorry, and, and just, you know, all the things that it takes to, for us to literally walk into training. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, there are there are positives to being a woman in sport as well. So like, you know, if touch was, I had like a career-ending in, in, injury, yeah. um, I have a career because I've had to, like, you know, and, and that's one of the things that I think is a positive of women's sport that we because of necessity often have careers outside of sport so that yeah. when our sporting journeys are over we're a bit more set up and a bit more you know ready to deal with that as opposed to men but I think that's changing um but also like yeah like what can you expect because a lot of these boys have been really good at sport really good at rugby been signed by an academy from their sort of mid-team that's all they've ever known. That's all they've never known like yeah. it's not their fault that you know, the, the world is set up for them to do a certain things and it isn't set up for us to do certain things. Yeah, absolutely. But it's just being aware of that and, okay, how can we start to bridge that gap and start to try and level the playing field? To, so that, you know, I will be able to go and talk at school in 10 years' time and it be a legitimate career option for a young girl to be a rugby player and that be her profession growing up. It but, shouldn't be like, oh, you can play rugby, but also do really well at school and, and go to university because, you know, you, you won't make any money from playing rugby. Like, yeah. it should be that, you know, both, you know, boys girls can aspire to be professional athletes and that be their source of
0: income. Yeah, no, 100%. I think it's... Um, I'd love to get in a time machine and go back and, and see not just sports, sort of everything, you know, um, sex, sexism, race, religion like everything to see how far we come and see right I go back and you know actually that worked or this didn't work but until um, Elon Musk decides to manage you know mm-hmm. it's the, new, the new Tesla uh, time machine um, needs to go a lot faster than 0 to 60 in 4.6 seconds through speaking about that, actually I've, I've just had a thought H- how about this and, and maybe we pitch it to, uh, to the RFU double header matches so what we do we go right you're on a double bill so you know like a boxing match you yeah. have i don't know fury versus jazora and you've got the yeah. undercard
1: yeah
0: force people to go look do you know what if you're not going to really go and watch it yourself off your yeah. own back, what you've got to do is you've got two matches you know yeah. bristol versus bath women's uh, followed by bristol I, I mean that it almost then also makes yeah. the day a sporting event, and then you can actually because it's not until you actually physically go bloody hell, yeah, they're just as good, yeah. You know? So, yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh, I think that's definitely like one of the things that we mm-hmm. can do to help promote the women's game. There are pros and cons associated with it, but I think there's probably more positives than negatives at this point, absolutely. Um, yeah, we have done so. My first season, um, for Bristol back in 2018, um, my third ever match as a Bristol Bear was at Ashton Gate and we played right. Gloucester and it was part of double doubleheader with the men who played I think they might have played Gloucester as well they played first and then we played second at Ashton Gate so that has happened um, I played for Barbarians and that was supposed right. to be a doubleheader but then the men's team got COVID so we ended up stealing the limelight which is wicked nice um, but yes yeah, so I think doubleheaders are the way to go and I think you know COVID has massively sort of you know stunted that aspect of things in terms yep. of not being able to have crowds and things like that but i think this season upcoming there are plans i'm hearing whispers of of trying to do some more double headers and and trying to capitalize on that because like you say you know if you encourage people to come out and have you know they probably don't need much encouragement to go out and see the men but it's like oh hang on two for the price of one value for money be, isn't like, it like you know you're already out you're already having a jolly like why wouldn't you like you may as well stay and then that could be a way of getting more eyes on our sport and then people being like oh when do you play When do you play how can I watch
0: you more often absolutely and I think as a dad of two girls as well as my, my lad I think it's it's also changing the mindset of the young as well yeah because you know everyone goes oh my, my, my littlest girl it's all dollies and this so, which is great but actually it's exposing her to the ability of another alternative that you know she, probably going back 10, 20 years ago, it might be that she never even saw the idea of rugby. Rugby's a boy's sport or yeah. football. Whereas actually, if we, you know, say, right, like I take my boy and take my girl to rugby and yeah. you can go and watch girls' rugby. You can go and watch men's rugby at the same time, you know, on the same... Yeah. I think it then allows that people, uh, the, 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 the young, to then go, oh, I quite like the look of that.
1: Because
0: yeah. I suppose, you know, until someone had never shown you rugby ball at uni... You didn't even think it was possible, and I think it's exposure to that from a young age So that allows people to to get um, to go off uh, and and just see where their passions lie, which yeah, is um It's
1: just giving people role models, like you know. I remember as a young girl, like I felt really out of place where I was because I was always someone who really loved sport. You know, was really loves to like run around, get sweaty. I used my PE teachers used to let me do PE with the boys, which is always like my the best thing ever because I was just like this is absolutely what I love whereas like you know the girls around me in school that really wasn't like their kind of vibe Yeah. and you know I you know didn't realise at the time but as I've gotten older I was desperate for role models and the only role model I really had was Serena Williams she was like my absolute everything who's still playing I know <laughs> she's just, just she's hinted
0: on retirement this weekend. she she's but... going to
1: retire I think after yes Open that's going to like I agree with it, but it's gonna be very, very difficult because of how much impact she's had on my life in terms of someone who looked like me, you know, was you know, competitive to a T, mm. super aggressive when she played, unapologetic, big muscles, you know, curvaceous woman, like everything about myself that I would see that I didn't like, she would do and she'd be so visible really? and just so unapologetic about and you know, she honestly. This sounds like such an over the top statement. Was really like a guiding light to me in my formative years, um, as as someone who was just everything that I looked like and every sort of characteristic that I enjoyed about myself, but was made to feel, you know, wasn't as ladylike or wasn't as. Gay. But I, I think you've
0: kind of hit the nail on the head, and I, I suppose, you know, you've you've picked a sports star as a as an idol. Who isn't. Well, she's a huge celebrity, right? But her celebrity is a byproduct of her career. You know, she never once thought, oh, I want to be in this Hello magazine or whatever. She's an awesome, um, awesome sportswoman. You know, she's come from a a background where, obviously, I think, was it her brother was killed or. was her sister. sister, Sister's murdered. You know, so not a nice ivory tower kind of, you know, millionaire mummy and daddy she's she's kind of done everything she's you know she's gone off and had children yeah. and, and still then came back to the sport I think yeah so from a role model actually celebrity then becomes a byproduct of everything yeah. that she's done and I think yeah awesome awesome role model yeah, I, think. I just
1: think it's so important um, to be role models and like I think one of the things that I try my best to do with the sort of platform I'm, I'm getting from being a, a rugby player is just trying and be that be my authentic self and just be visible um, you know, I go and do a lot of stuff at schools because I remember that real distinct feeling of, you know, oh, there are some things I can do and there are some things I can't do because I just didn't see people that looked like me in certain spaces. So, you know, I'll go to these schools and they'll be, you know, these sort of 9, 10, 11-year-olds just look at me like, oh, my God, you play rugby? And I'm like, yeah. You know, show them some pictures and some videos. And it's just like... And then also being a doctor as well, like a lot of these, these, these people from sort of lower-income, you know, areas and households it's not something that's even ever occurred to them you know they live their whole family their whole you know generations after generations all in the same place yeah and it's just opening their mind to the prospect of oh you could do something different should you want to like look at me like you know i'm not that different to you and here's what i've been able to do like you could go on and do bigger and better and, and all sorts of things so i think having role models both, you know, I, I don't try to just be wrong with for for girls and, and women. I try for boys as well. And like I've started seeing like at our matches, you know, obviously there's a lot of young girls who have really gravitated towards our, our sport and coming to our matches. But there's also loads of young boys as well who don't see, who don't say, oh, you're my favorite women's rug player. They're just like, you're my favorite rugby player. Like, how good is that? Like, yeah. And like, similar to what you were saying, like, you know, kids probably won't dissociate between men's and women's. It's just sport yeah 100 game 100%. fun for them and so if we can be that sort of generation for them to look up to so that then we've got a whole crop of, of young children coming through sport who you know have loads of role models and icons from different sports different genders facing different issues you know that can only be a good thing
0: yeah and I think you know an icon for the right reason yeah you know um, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head so what would your advice be to, say, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight-year-old girl now looking to get into to sort of that sport or, or just achieve whatever they want to do, what what what's your best piece of advice you could give someone?
1: I'd often say something along the lines of just be true to yourself. Like, find whatever it is that you enjoy about either sport or about your personality and hold on to it. You know, don't, especially in this age of social media, God, don't let... You know what you see online and how you know women quote unquote should look or what women quote unquote should do yeah don't let that be what deters you if you enjoy you know getting sweaty getting muddy having a run around go do that like yeah i think that's probably what i would say and just i don't know how kids of today deal with social media because it's just you know i'm a grown woman and i still you know every now and again have to check what i'm seeing because it starts to sort of bring out my own insecurities and things like that, but I not, but I can discern from, you know, this is real, this is probably edited or curated or, you know, photoshopped or enhanced or whatever, yeah. you know, so for the younger generation who maybe don't have that sort of critical thinking yet, it's an absolute minefield, so. I suppose it's all they've ever known as well. Yeah, you so know. it's just, I just try and be authentic to myself, you know, just, yeah, just try and sort of, just be authentic real, and and, just let that lead your I guess passions and desires and let that sort of shape who you are and what you become and and don't let people make you feel less than or you know you know unwomanly or whatever it is just because you don't necessarily fit the mold
0: no awesome awesome I think definitely I think I think I think there's there's social media and, and and the like I think it it does give such a, a muddied view of what perfect is. Yeah. There is no perfect. You know, it, it, are you happy? Um, and I think that's, you know, do you, it's not a case of you need to make everyone happy. Yeah. I think it's a case you don't need to piss everyone off. I think yeah. that, you know, rather than, than sort of, and, and just be, I think it is, just just be you. Just yeah. be your truest, formest a problem with yourself? I
1: try and be uh, make it a point to talk about when things in my life aren't as good as well as when they are good because again, social media is a highlights real. People don't ever want to talk about or show the good stuff. Um, you know, I remember my final year of uni, I failed pretty much everything you could fail. Um, there was a real possibility that I wasn't gonna graduate. Um, my mental health was all over the place and if I had failed my finals for a second time, I was gonna drop out of uni mm. and I wouldn't have been a doctor. And I remember going through that, and that was such a torrid time in my life. But every year, like, I'll get, obviously, like, the throwbacks and stuff like that. And as often as I can, I love to reinforce that part of my story and that part of my journey. Mm. Because outside looking in, you know, play rugby for Premiership team, I'm a doctor, I live in Bristol, and I'm happy, like, you know, happy, go lucky, everything's great. But there are so many things that you might not realise that haven't gone my way or have been, you know, really difficult times to go through. Absolutely. That I've had to navigate through with the help of friends, family, yeah. my support network to get me to this stage. And same <clears> thing, like, you know, I don't feel great every day. I was talking about when we lost the Prem semi-final, like, I was in a real bad way for a good couple of weeks. Really bad way. But, you know, you wouldn't necessarily know that just from looking at my social media or, you know, my general yeah. demeanour. You know when I'm on this sort of media stuff or whatever, but you know that's part and part of life, and just being real and authentic about that is so so powerful in my opinion because there's so much, so much rubbish just on social media, so <laughs> <silly laughs> lies and just yeah, it just must be so difficult um, for young the younger generation. And I've I've got three younger siblings, and I just you know they're not super they're not super young. The yeah. youngest is 15, but it's just like. It's it's her especially that I sort of look at and I'm like God I really hope that you appreciate like that a lot of this is just shit like it's just not it's just not what it's painted out to be. No, absolutely.
0: I think also as well everyone sees that whether it's business or people at the top of their game, I think people will see them on social media and go Oh it's lovely life. They also don't. No one advertises and puts every single one of their failures, yeah. Those successful people have actually probably failed way more,
1: yeah,
0: than someone hasn't ever tried, you know, or, or actually they've failed more than they've succeeded,
1: definitely.
0: Um, and I think people often overlook that. And it's how someone once said to me, It's actually it's how you learn from your failures which makes you a success, yeah. Um, what was it? Rocky said, It's not Adrian, it's not how many times you get knocked back down, it's how many you know times you get back up exactly. again i think it's maybe we should create an instagram account you know happy fails so like you know you literally just put everything you've ever done wrong on yeah. it and, and see how many likes <laughs> you get because <laughs> yeah
1: exactly it's not as glamorous or as marketable as you know hey look at me look at my life look
0: yeah. at my board look at this look at that you know <laughs> yeah. so obviously simmy you, you've had for, in, in comparison a really short career but done so much and kind of you almost been like sprung board, literally the minute you picked up a, a rugby ball, three years later, you're playing for Bristol Bears. Yeah. What would you say, first of all, your biggest achievement in that space of time has been? And then secondly, where where do you see yourself going? What, what, what would you see as a success if you yeah. look back at the end of your rugby career and go, I've done that? Yeah, um, biggest
1: achievement so far, I think, was being part of the Barbarians team. Um, We played at Twickenham in November Um, 2021. Like I said before, it's supposed to be a doubleheader, but the men's team got COVID, so we ended up taking prime time slot because it was such a last minute sort of cancellation. Mm. Ended up playing in front of about 30,000 fans, which is ridiculous. It was my first time at Twickenham, like, ever, <laughs> let alone like, playing a match there. Um, I managed to score as well, which was just like... No way. I, yeah, it was just... I don't. I still don't think I fully, like, comprehended everything that that week was. Like, not even just being, you know, playing that match at the weekend, but the whole build-up to it. You know, it was very well documented that I'm... Li- like, I'm so fresh into rugby, it's not even funny. Um, and I was in a squad with you know people like Mo Hunt Kate Stanley McLean Rocky Clark like legends of the women's game like there's there's nothing that Mo Hunt hasn't done she's been at Commonwealth she's been at the Olympics she played 7 she played 15 nice Rocky's the most you know England player of all time period men wow. or women like you know Kate Stanley Clean was the captain of the England women's team when they won the World Cup in 2014 so these are literal living legends of our game who I share a pitch with as someone so fresh and new into their journey like It was just, I had the biggest imposter syndrome, but it was just the most surreal experience ever. And I learned a lot from every single woman I played with and also all the coaches and all all of the the wider squad associated with that um, week. It was just incredible. Um, And then, you know, having my parents, two of my siblings, come watch the game and be there after as well. I I was an absolute emotional wreck by the end of it. I was so, I was completely fine. Um, even when it finished, and then it was when I saw my mum and one of my friends who was there caught a moment of when I first saw my mum. because I knew where they were, Mm -hmm. like, I'd seen them as I came out, but I was like, I'm not going to look at you anymore because otherwise it's going to throw me off. And then when it finished and people were coming around to take photos and, like, get our signatures and stuff, that's when I lost them and I found them again. And that moment was very special. I just burst into tears. Yeah. And it was just, it was just very, very special that, that day. So that was, without a doubt, the highlight of my career. And it re-emphasised to me, like, why you should always enjoy things as and when. Like, you know, I'm not too proud to celebrate. I'm not too proud to be like, wow, what, an, what, a, what a day this is, what an occasion this is. Um, because the week after I tore my MCL, and was injured for three months. So, oh. it, you know, take the good with the bad, but
0: like... But actually, um, that could have been better worse. It could exactly, have been three months before.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, I remember because I, I knew it was under wraps who was in the Barber's team um, until the week off. But I knew from the start of October, so it was about six weeks that I knew that I was in the team, and like obviously Dave knew, our head coach, and given like the go ahead. He was like, absolutely, you, you're, you're, yeah, go. He was like, I'm not gonna stop you from going. Um, but we still had matches in that period, and so every time I come up, I was like, please, please don't get injured, please don't be injured, and it was so fun. Walking we'll around with bubble wrap on Yeah, aren't literally. It? I was like, oh god, please, I'll be so gutted if I can't play because I'm injured. Um, so yeah, that was without a doubt. Um, highlight of my career so far i can't remember the second one Uh, where do you
0: see yourself so you're sat in a a nice restaurant bar yeah on the beach thinking this is my first week after retirement Where, where where do you feel you would like to look back and go right i've made a success of this this is what i've achieved
1: yeah i think you know like i said a big part of sport for me is the journey and, and progressing and trying to be the best version of Simi the rugby player that I can be. I truly believe that that best version of me as a player is a good enough player to play for England and so that's sort of I guess the next progression on my ladder you know it started off as you know go from the university third team trying to get into the first team and then it was oh can I get into Bristol Bears oh I did oh can I be you know the starting loosehead prop for Bristol Bears and I managed to do that so Amazing. it's you know, it's all come quite quickly right. but it's it's all followed like quite a sort of logical progression and so now it's a case of all right, you know, I've had a couple of seasons playing Prem rugby, I'm a bit more comfortable in my position and, and my rugby awareness and understanding is growing um, day by day. So it's okay, how can I now challenge myself to try and get into that the the upper echelon really, you know? And I say that goal, you know, I don't understate it. I know how difficult it is England are Quite literally, the best team in the world right now, um, and you know, for every position, there's a dime a dozen girls who could slot in at a moment's notice and play out of their skin, and really sort of hold on to that shirt. So, I know it's not going to be something that's going to be achieved easily, but you know, I think there's so many aspects of my game that I still can work on massively, which is the exciting part for me because it doesn't feel like, well, I'm the best version of myself I can be. Why am I not being picked? I'm like, oh, okay. I'm playing at prime level, I think I'm on their radar at least, um, you know, competing against the girls who already play in that mm. position, you know, on certain occasions and, you know, at least holding my own or, you know, doing some things well or, you know, and they're seeing some things they do against me, that I'm like, okay, like, how can I implement that into my game? So it's, there's a lot of things to work on, but I, I truly do think that if I can get myself to that level, I can sort of challenge for that England shirt at some point and, you know, they've recently announced that the next World Cup after this year's one is going to be held in England. It's going to be second nice. final 2025. You know, that's three years from now. Like, what a good target to set myself. Um, I mean, so, Jesus,
0: yeah. what you've achieved in less than five years, <laughs> Christ, you're dangerous, absolutely dangerous. I mean, you know, yeah, I, I can't see any reason as to why you...
1: Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at now. So, you know, since I, you know, I started being a doctor every year I've managed to commit more of myself to rugby. So the first year was so difficult with being a new first being a new full time doctor and being, you know, an hour and a half away. The year after that I was in Bristol but was still a full time doctor. The year after that, okay, I'm no longer having to be full time and I'm in Bristol. So I've been able to commit more and more of myself. So now this year I'm trying to commit to sort of the full time programme if I can if I can afford to financially and Hopefully, if I can, for the season, you know, I've seen so many, you know, so much growth year on year with being able to commit more of my time. Because that's, with me, I came into rugby already physically quite strong, fast. You know, I had all these physical attributes I have now. We've just, you know, refined them and and, and improved them still. But, like, I had that base. What I didn't have was the rugby skill, the rugby understanding, the knowledge. And so what I really need and what I respond well to is that you know one on one time that coaching to athlete time and just being around rugby that's really what's been helping for me just be a sponge yeah pretty much the more I can be around rugby and play more and and train more you know that's only going to correlate to 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 being a better player in my view so that's the plan for this season and hopefully see where that gets me but you know I'm really looking forward to the season with Bristol I'm really really optimistic of our chances as a squad to go once further and get into the final, and hopefully, you know, if we win the final, we may as well win it. You know, so, yeah, yeah. So really looking forward to this season and really hoping to be a, a big part of our successful season. But yeah, we've signed a lot of really good girls who play in my position as well. So uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be challenging. Um, but internal competition is absolutely what we need.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I yeah, think if need, you you need become stagnant, their, yeah,
1: we need people who are on that on their toes and the thing that I love about Dave and Tom, our coaches, is they're so detail-based and form-based. They choose a squad based on who knows their detail and who's playing well. You know, you could be a, this person who's got this many caps for this country. If you're not playing well, you're not playing. Like, period, full stop. So it really opens it up for people to play themselves into that match they shirt. And, you know, one of the principles that their coaches have is once you're in the shirt, it's the duty of other people to take it off you. Like, it's not just so for example when I got injured I'd been the starting loosehead head for the entire season and then got injured and so the girl had been on the bench had been starting when I came back it wasn't just off oh, Simi's back now so I'm just going to hand the shirt back over Absolutely. it was oh, well Simi she's been playing well so if you want to start again like you better yeah are you, are you good enough to start again and, and that's that's the environment we need and so I'm really looking forward to this season So I think we'll do
0: big things amazing amazing honest to god i could sit here and just yeah go through all of this all day long um unfortunately we, we are limiting our, pod- our podcasts to uh, to under an hour but wow what a I i mean christ it, let, let's do this in 15 years time and yeah, we'll do a week-long podcast because uh, <laughs> that's how long it will take um, pack everything yeah <laughs> um wow yeah what a, what an awesome very short career so far which is is, is clearly going to be um much bigger and better only moving forward from you know from where you've already kind of done so far it's um it's gobsmacking really so without further ado the part last part of our uh podcast on the where is it to podcast um there's two things So we do need every single person to give us their best where is it to impression in the most appropriate Bristolian accent possible. Um, You can go Full Farmer, you can go (laughs) Noel West, um, whatever you want to do. So without further ado, Simi, take take it away on your best where is it to podcast. I'm trying to channel,
1: because every time we win a a match, we sing um, Blackbird by the Wurzels, and it starts with that blackbird. So I'm trying to channel that. In a Bristolian, it's gonna be terrible. Where is it too?
0: That's not bad. Is it? I mean, someone from Peterborough, like I mean, so Peterborough's that that's um, East Anglia. East Anglia, yeah. so I mean, Norwich is quite Bristol yeah. as well, isn't it? So, yeah, true, actually. Quite far, far more, yeah. Um, it's up there with one of the best. We're going to do a bit of a league table, hopefully on, uh, on Instagram, to see who's, uh, you know, get get the votes in, get the votes in. So, um, and then the final question. So what we're, we're looking to do is piece all the clues together. So being yeah. a Bristol-based podcast, and one of the most famous um, artists in the world, and obviously from Bristol, is Banksy. So we'd like to try and find out who he is. Um, so the idea is that if we can get clues from all our different Bristol mm-hmm. guests, at the end of our series or whatever we end up doing, put them all together and try and unearth who it is. Yeah. Um, so if you were to be, put your, you know, nail your flag to the mass, who, who would you say it is? I'll give you some examples.
1: Yeah.
0: So we've had one person as a guest, Luke, who um, actually used to do graffiti with Banksy, so couldn't with kind of to. let us know. <laughs> um, we've had Nick Stoppard at Boardwalk, Possibly one of the best suggestions for who Banksy is yet, Ian Holloway of, okay. uh, of Bristol Rovers. Okay. Ollie Cone um, has said he thinks it might be Goldie. Um, okay. So, uh, and that's purely on the basis that Goldie went to Jolly Hog and right. had a bacon sandwich off his nut in Glastonbury allegedly. Right. Okay. Um, so go for it. Who who's your guess?
1: Oh I haven't got a clue. It's not a Scooby. Um, I reckon, I'm going to say Joe Joyce and hear me out as to why. Joe Joyce is Banksy because Banksy obviously loves graffitiing around Bristol and Joe Joyce is Mr. Bristol. And he's on, very sadly announced that he's going to be moving on to Pastures New York at the end of this season. So I reckon there's going to be a, a scattering of loads of Banksy stuff in the next year as a sort of goodbye, Bristol. <laughs> as a swan song. So, yeah, as a parting gift. Okay. So, you know, and he's tall, he's a tall lad. He can reach all these sort of heights and get yeah. himself into these positions that you know mere mortals like myself could never. So, but it's it's harder for him then to be a bit more incognito, but inconspicuous. But I reckon I'm gonna keep my eye on Joe
0: Joyce sounds good you've heard it first people joe joyce is banksy apparently um so simmy i just want to say a massive thank you for your time um in this very warm room however it's actually got a bit cooler i think yeah it's not very really good now um not too bad um but no thank you very much it's been really really good insight into your very short career so far and actually the, the direction that it's going to be going i think you know it's only a matter of time before we see you in the um in the uh, the full england Cap and England career. Um, I myself are going to be um, canvassing after this podcast for um, to sort of you know see about where we can go um, and, and go and watch you girls in in action I gonna because say, um, we're
1: going to have to get you along to some of our matches.
0: Absolutely, uh, my kids will love it as well. So, um, okay. but no, thank you ever so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, a minute and ten under uh, sixty minutes. So With thank kids. you very much. Cheers, Simmy. Bye bye.